More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Monday edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. This is Buck. I'm going to be solo this week. Clay is on vacation in Italy, having a great time with the family. And boy, oh boy, do we have a lot to talk about. The second largest bank failure in U.S. history occurred on Friday. We got a lot of banks right now getting crushed in terms of their stock price. The contagion has spread a bit. Biden saying... That your money will be there when you need it. Emergency actions taken by the federal government here, all to prevent the domino effect of banking collapse that could lead to not just a recession, but even a depression. We are not out of the woods. And I think many people are just beginning to understand what the implications of this really are. A lot of finger pointing going on. Oh, it's Trump's fault because of deregulation, they say. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. Biden's been president for two years. Why didn't he address the regulations that Trump deregulated? A lot of people also pointing to the wokeness and the obvious left-wing Democrat positioning of the Silicon Valley Bank and the people that run it. And so there's uh, quite a bit of schadenfreude right now as they have blown up their balance sheet. Their bank is... Well, it is kaput, but it has been given a second life now by the federal government. We will discuss all of this, spent much of the weekend looking into everything happening here and and want to talk about where this is likely all going. Uh, Basically, are we in the beginning of a massive financial crisis instead of a contained crisis? Don't worry about it moment. Is this just the beginning? Is this the first domino to fall? We'll discuss this. You also have uh, a massive immigrant horde storming a checkpoint in El Paso, Texas, uh, about a thousand of them, just just making a run for it across the border and a big push. People are starting to say, wait, maybe they're not really asylum seekers. 
Maybe something else is going on here. Yeah, you don't say. And over the weekend, a video went very viral of uh, a Fifth Circuit judge, federal judge Duncan, who was at Stanford University Law School and the Stanford students and a diversity dean, because that's apparently a job that you have to have at all these schools. In fact, many, many people have that job to be the enforcers of DEI, to be the commissars of wokeness. She lectured him and effectively uh, was part of an ambush, a verbal ambush of this federal judge at Stanford University Law School as well. We'll discuss that coming up later on in the program. All right, we, we've got to start with where we are with the banks, plural, you'll notice, because you've had a lot of banks that are having big problems with their stock price right now. You've had temporary trading halts in dozens of banks. Some of them had shares falling 50, 60, even up to 75% when the markets opened at 9.30 a.m. Eastern today. Now, Joe Biden is out there telling everybody that your money is safe. Don't worry about it. It's all going to be fine. This is clip three. Joe Biden telling everybody the government is covering Deposits. Play three. All customers who had deposits in these banks can rest assured. I want to rest assured they'll be protected and they'll have access to their money as of today. That includes small businesses across the country that bank there and need to make payroll, pay their bills and stay open for business. No losses. will. And I want this is an important point. No losses will be borne by the taxpayers. Let me repeat that. No losses will be borne by the taxpayers. Instead, the money will come from the fees that banks pay into the deposit insurance fund. Okay. Let's just start with basic facts here. This is a bailout. They're they're saying it is not a bailout, but this is a bailout. They're just trying to structure it in a way that it seems less like the the downside here for Silicon Valley Bank is being socialized, right? The upside is all capitalism. We're geniuses. We get to pay ourselves huge bonuses. The downside, the losses are socialized. It's, whoa, this is society's loss. And it's interesting because Silicon Valley Bank had been uh, lobbying for years that it was not necessary for it to have the same stringent uh, balance sheet requirements and risk management requirements because it wasn't a systemically important bank, SIB. Uh, that it was a bank that should be able to operate a little more on the edge. Well, now it has fallen off the edge, and we are told that there has to be the government swooping in. Janet Yellen says there will be no bailout, but that's not really true. Play clip one. Let me be clear that during the financial crisis, there were investors and owners of systemic large banks that were bailed out, and we're certainly not looking and uh, the reforms that have been put in place means that we're not going to do that again but they're kind of doing something similar here's what's here's what's happening and and it's complicated and i know that there are there are a lot of competing narratives a lot of things you're hearing out there first of all um over the weekend the big debate was should you just let the bank fail and should the depositors have to deal with the fact that they now have effectively an IOU beyond the guaranteed $250,000 per account that the FDIC 
uh, ensures that they would have an IOU when the bank assets would be sold or right, what they have been sold. They were selling them at auction effectively. Because once you understand what really happened here, it, it becomes more clear how, how it is that this could happen. First of all, at other banks. And also, I think everyone understands the politics that are at work. But effectively, you had the IOUs that they would have instead of, so if you have a million dollars in the bank, right? 750,000 of that is, uh, wait, am I getting that right? Yes. 750,000 of that is insured. Not insured, rather, not insured. So you have two hundred fifty thousand dollars that are insured by the FDIC. Seven hundred fifty k, you're on your own. You'd have some share that the bank's assets, the Silicon Valley Bank, would supposedly pay back to you at some point. You'd recoup the money at some point in time, and that's not good enough because for a lot of small businesses out there that were banking with them, just parking their money with them, they got to make payroll. So that's not going to work. So they need the money. Now, so what is the Fed doing? The Fed is taking onto its balance sheet the treasuries, particularly, that Silicon Valley Bank bought in order to make more yield on the money that it was given, and they're buying it at this point in time, taking onto the Fed balance sheet. So really, the government is, in effect here, stepping in in some capacity, and it is a bailout. I mean, they're going to call it all these different things, but... If it was left to its own devices, you would have to have a liquidation of the bank and, and all the rest. And that would be a problem for a whole lot of people right now. With uh, 200 plus billion dollars of assets, there's a lot of money here that is at stake for people, right? So now you have the, well, why is it that we have a $250,000? People are asking this question over the weekend. There's a lot of questions here, by the way. I mean, this is fascinating. And I haven't even gotten into, is this going to get a whole lot worse? And even if it doesn't get catastrophically worse immediately, what are banks going to do in response to this? Everyone says, oh, they need tighter regulations. You know what's going to happen? Less lending. Oh, gee, that means less credit. What do we think less credit does to the economy? You think that's, you think that's going to be a fun one? The original sin of all of this, the original sin was creating artificially low interest rates, which effectively destroyed the bond market through the machinations of the Fed and the federal government, and then printing trillions of dollars. That's the basis for all of this. That, that's how we even got into the mess in the first place. Now, some people are going to say, Buck, the Jekyll Island in the beginning of the Federal Reserve. Okay, but I, I mean the recent, the recent basis for all of this. The bill is coming due for that. That's what you're seeing right now. It turns out, that if you manipulate the market as a function of government policy, so you have artificially low interest rates, because you're trying to keep stimulating the economy with more and more money, and you're printing, you're putting more money into the economy, and people can't actually get any yield for the money that they're putting into, well, banks, but also bonds. Because those interest rates are so low, you create economic dislocations. You create uh, a market that is inefficient, and that can have both bubbles and collapses. Bubbles and collapses. Doesn't that seem like something we should all pay very close attention to right now? But so over the weekend, there are people arguing this is just a bunch of Democrat fat cat donors who run Silicon Valley Bank. They should bear all of the consequences on their own. And if you're a depositor, too bad. Well, the problem with that is Silicon Valley Bank's not the only one that it seems got on the wrong side of 
investing in treasuries, taking these long-term investments uh, that allow them to get some yield on their on the money that is deposited with them. So they're on the wrong side of this. Like other banks are on the wrong side of this, there's a very rapid run on the bank, $40 billion in one day. People saying, we want our money out, we want our money out. If this happens at other places, then you've got a, 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 not just a financial crisis in the making, you have a financial catastrophe. Because you're going to have people that aren't going to have access to pay bills and pay staff and, and employees right now. And maybe it gets unwound in the next six months or they figure it out down the line. But what happens in the meantime? Job losses, economic destruction, bad things. On the other side of this, there are people who keep pointing out, though. So the way this system seems to work is we say that your accounts are FDIC backed up to $250,000. But really, the banking system is such now that you're unlimited in your, as long as there's a politically potent narrative behind it, you're unlimited in what the government will backstop for you. Right? It's, it's so, so why even have the $250,000 limit for FDIC? Also, kind of an arbitrary number, isn't it? What's that really all about? And when you start to look at this, you see the banking system, a lot of it is based on you know, operating as a big black box, people don't really understand. There are people who are arguing, well, you should lose all of the money uh, that you invested in Silicon Valley Bank because they didn't do, meaning the depositors didn't do the due diligence to know what the bank is really doing. Okay, does anybody do the due diligence before they invest in a bank that is capitalized and FDIC-backed and et cetera? I mean, we got to really think about this. Does anyone do that? Does anyone even know how to do that? I mean, if you told me I had to do due diligence on J.P. Morgan Chase or Bank of America or, you know, Wachovia or what, you know, what is massive banks, where do you start? You kind of assume, and this is the, the bottom line truth of it all, you kind of assume that there are adults in charge and people more or less know what's going on and that it'll all be okay. The whole system is based on trust. That's the whole banking system, really. Ultimately, it's trust. Otherwise, it's numbers on a computer screen. We're not even really trading in hard currencies. You're not even really going to the bank teller anymore. When was the last time you even went to a bank? Not an ATM machine, a bank. And did anything else? You'll say, oh, well, a month ago or six months ago. Okay, some people might say that a few years. So how much due diligence can you really do with all of this? So, you know, there's there's many layers of this. There's what is it going to do to the economy? Big piece, right? What is the Biden administration doing about all of this? And they're a bunch of incompetent buffoons. We know that. Who is going to pay? Who is getting bailed out? How much worse can this get? These are all questions that are still being answered. And and one thing that, that keeps a thought that keeps bouncing around my head on all of this is if you were looking for the match that could start the conflagration of a major recession, a 2008-style recession. A series of bank failures. By the way, it's not just SVB that has failed. There are uh, three of them, I believe, now that have officially failed in the last few days, and a whole lot of other banks are under tremendous pressure right now in terms of their stock price because people are worried about them. 
wouldn't this be if you were if you were war gaming as an economist or somebody who just wants to know where the country's going if you're going to war game how things get really ugly economically really fast and how you could have massive spikes in unemployment and a, a huge depression in real estate prices and just just go down the list all the things all the reset mechanisms in an economy that has been overheated and just full of bubbles if you were getting ready for that or if you thought that was coming wouldn't a series of bank failures be one of the most likely ways that it would begin that's a thought that keeps bouncing around my head i hope it is not true i hope that this is relatively contained and it may be but no matter what it's a reminder of how fragile this whole system is jim kramer was on tv a month ago telling people you know the guy on tv is like hey buy this buy that you know honk honk and he's like playing the noises and the bull noise and everything else he was telling people to buy svb a month ago this is a problem with reliance on experts and adults in the room people are greedy people are fearful people do not want to be held accountable when they make mistakes we'll get into all this by the way if you happen to work in the banking industry and you have some particular insight on this one you've dealt with svb would love to hear from you um 800-282-2882 on the phone lines we'll get back to it in a moment did the daylight savings change uh throw you off this weekend well if you're taking chalk daily supplements low energy is less of an issue this Texas-based company spent years sourcing natural ingredients to help men and women with a variety of issues as we age. For men, their male vitality stack helps restore testosterone levels, which has been, de- been depleted in men the last 50 years. In just three months, you'll start feeling the positive effects and experience an energy potential you haven't had in a long time. That's why the Chalk Male Vitality Stack is so popular. Right now, you can get 35% off any Chalk subscription for life, when you use my name, Buck, on their website. Chalk also offers a female vitality stack for the ladies, which helps with hormone health and collagen production. There are lots of other great products on the website via subscription as well. So go check it out. Head over to chalk.com, C-H-O-Q, chalk.com. Learn about them. All chalk products are lab-tested twice to ensure the highest levels of purity and potency. Chalk, C-H-O-Q.com is the website. Make sure you use Buck as the promo code. You will get it. 35% discount. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. Making sense in an insane world. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of 
Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Biden attempts to restore confidence in U.S. banks. That's the headline on Fox right now, and you're seeing similar headlines all across the media. U.S. banks, it's all going to be okay. They keep telling us, don't worry about it. Everything is going to be just fine. Hmm. When it comes to your bank, you don't want to have to be told that everything is going to be just fine. You just want to go on believing that it will be there and the money that you've worked to make that you keep in the bank is safe. They're telling you it is, but... There are clearly problems. Some banks are dealing with the reality that their uh, stock prices are way down. Look, we will continue to follow this and see if we have any updates on this uh, over the course of the program. But it is interesting because this is all reliant on what are effectively elite-governed institutions or elitist-governed institutions with the major banks all the way down to your regional banks, and something like Silicon Valley Bank is a place that you're supposed to think has very, very smart people operating it. But people over the weekend were seeing a video, a video that perhaps challenges from another angle the sense that our institutions of the elites are, are run by and full of really smart people. People who are super intelligent and, you know, they, they, they've done, they've all done so much better than everybody else on all the testing and, and they're just all brilliant and just let them do what they do and let them run things. It's clearly not the case with the banks and everybody remembers 2008. Just a bunch of greedy people taking advantage of their positions. Bunch of pigs at the trough making sure they could get more than everybody else and almost melted down the entire financial system globally in the process. Now we have the banksters at uh, Silicon Valley Bank uh, creating a crisis through their own mismanagement. And I can tell you right now, people are going to be frustrated and they and this will continue because the folks running that bank, they will continue to be rich. They will be after all this is done. They will be rich. They will be connected. They will not suffer. The ones making the decisions 
the ones that were making all the upside when things were good. But you wonder, how does this happen? What else is in Silicon Valley? Stanford University, Palo Alto. I mean, it's basically, it's in the Bay Area, right? Palo Alto, Silicon Valley, they are right there. And and Stanford University has produced graduates, particularly from the computer science department, that have built enormously successful companies, people, founders of Google, etc. So you think Stanford's got to have really, really smart people. Uh, the Harvard of the West Coast, people will say, right? And Stanford graduates, I'm sure, will tell you it's even better than Harvard. Whatever, who cares? Point being, you're supposed to be really impressed. You are supposed to think that people that go to these, the same way that the people that are paying themselves millions, maybe tens of millions of dollars to run banks can make the most. How hard is it to know that interest rates might go, turn against you, given that we're having unprecedented rate or rate hikes and all the efforts to combat inflation? Like, this wasn't actually that difficult to foresee, but they were greedy. Here, Here's what we'll do. We'll make money this way. And now it seems they're right because they're making money and now they're going to get bailed out on the other side of it. Okay. Stanford University. It is full of brilliant people and run by really wise people. That's what the public is supposed to think. But what you've seen is that the left, like the virus of the brain that it is, is destroying all of these institutions entirely. They were always left leaning. Now they, now the inmates entirely run the asylum. That's what's happening. And this has been growing and getting more and more obvious for years now. Judge Kyle Duncan, federal judge on the Fifth Circuit, was invited by the Federalist Society to go speak at Stanford University Law School. Now, the people, the students in the Stanford University Law School, you are to think have the highest LSAT scores are of the highest character and integrity and and are absolutely devoted to the Constitution and the rule of law. That's what you're supposed to think. In reality, you have a bunch of lunatic, uh, left-wing, woke social justice activists, many of whom have gotten in there, honestly, with highly mediocre scores on all these things, or if they even did well, it's because they just learned how to play the system in school and get the grades they need to get by holding the opinions and the positions that you're supposed to. And there's a whole video. It's, it's, uh, it's quite, quite long online. You can see of the speech, people, students, law students at Stanford Law School were standing up. This is the second most elite law school in the country. And they had signs written. This is for a visiting federal judge. You'd think maybe, maybe the, even if they disagree with them, whatever, they would want to at least hear what the sitting federal judge has to say about the constitutional law. But of course they don't. To say they heckled him is an understatement. They shouted over him. They screamed profanity at him. They talked about, uh, him and his wife and, and sexuality. I mean, things I cannot repeat. On the radio. This is how they speak. This is how, oh, they're so smart. They're amazing. Stanford Law School, hire them to the best law firms in the country. This is how this collection of woke imbeciles acted. But what makes it even worse is that there was, he, he asked for a uh, Judge Duncan. Now, fortunately, Judge Duncan, I believe, did have marshals there. 
So at least he doesn't, you would think, have to worry about his physical safety. Um, or, or it, he has some level of protection for his physical safety from the, these are all, these are all, you know, woke, overgrown babies. Now, none of them have ever been in a fist fight in their lives, which unfortunately is part of the problem. A lot of woke people are used to being very aggressive in places where the administration will protect them or they're very aggressive online. They don't have to deal with another human being in a context where the power is not entirely on the side of the woke aggressor. Who's saying, really? Why don't you, you know, say that again? What did you say? Say that to my face. Come a little closer. All these, uh, these deeply unhappy woke maniacs go through life without ever actually dealing with real conflict or the threat of real conflict. And they think they're brave. You know, they're the one that shows up at the end of the bar fight shouting, yeah, that's right. You're lucky I didn't get in there. You know, that's, that's the, the mindset of the woke. But they brought along this diversity and inclusion dean. This is a an administrator, a bureaucrat, probably making 150 to 250k to you know waltz around from classroom to classroom, building to building, and tell everybody about how racist everything is and how you better agree with everything she says, or else you're racist too. And and just just feeds all the most most. Uh, destructive grievance politics of the student body of minority students oh it's so hard oh my gosh i'm a i'm a i'm a, I'm a latino student i'm a black student at stanford it's i'm so oppressed i have i have mckinsey and goldman sachs offering me 180 grand my first year out of school it's been so hard and the diversity dean existed as a yes yes you got in here with SATs 300 points lower than many of your colleagues and aren't paying a dime to go to this school that costs some of the, you know, middle, upper middle class kids who are going cost their parents $65,000, $70,000 a year. You're going for free, but you're very oppressed and you should be very upset at the system. And you better make sure that when you go to Goldman Sachs or when you go to McKinsey or Bain or when you take a job at, uh, you know, Wachtell or whatever. These are now these are law school students, right? So they're going to go to law firms. You know, uh, that that you make sure that diversity and inclusion is the top of the agenda there too. Oh, okay, okay. So this dean shows up while the judge is trying, and there's. I mean, I, there, you've got to see the video. Well, well, you know what? We should put it up at clayandbuck.com so anyone who's watching this can see it, um, and you can watch it. It's horrific. I mean, the things that they were saying. Uh, I would never say to any adult, uh, there, it, it, it was a disgrace, an utter disgrace, honestly. And, uh, I, I wish I could say, but, you know, I know there's family and kids listening and everything to the show. So, and obviously we also have, F, you know, FCC rules. But if I could even just read to you what the signs were that they were holding up while they were shouting him down, they didn't let him speak. They didn't let him get out a word. They'd go, ah, and they'd yell over him. Then this dean, this dean comes over, and it's an ambush. She had a speech written out, and here is just a section. This is a an employee of Stanford University whose job is, you would think, to be the adult in the room. Here she is, uh, Angela Stein, uh, Tyrion Angela Steinbach. Play clip 12. I really do wholeheartedly welcome you. 
because me and many people in this administration do absolutely believe in free speech. We believe that it is necessary. We believe that the way to address speech that feels abhorrent, that feels harmful, that literally denies the humanity of people, that one way to do that is with more speech and not less, and not to shut you down or censor you or censor the student group that invited you here. That is hard, that is uncomfortable, and that is a policy and a principle that I think is worthy of defending even in this time, even in this time. And again, I still ask, is the juice worth the squeeze? She is lecturing him on how much the idiot leftist ideology that she represents values free speech when she is in a room of people who are shouting him down every time he tries, and intentionally shouting him down every time he tries to say anything. He would try to speak, they would all start screaming and say, you know, shut up and, you know, all kinds of curses and call, you know, uh, they, they were challenging, they were challenging the judge's sexual capabilities. I don't know what else to say, folks. That's what they're doing. A federal judge. These are law school students who are, who are questioning his, uh, his manhood. Shouting it out of you. Now, I'm just, what do you think would happen if a group of Federalist Society students, which they would never do this because the Federalist Society is intellectual and, you know, is very respectful and, and is something that campuses should all celebrate and should grow on campuses. But anyway, what would happen if a group of students associated with the Federalist Society when a female minority judge showed up, all started shouting over her and sh- saying, well, did you get your job because you're qualified or did you get your job because of affirmative action? And then said, well, you know, Joe Biden, for example, said he was only going to appoint a female black Supreme Court justice. So it seems fair to ask, is this something that happens elsewhere in the system? Did you, just for the purposes of discussion here, female minority judge, did you get this because you did so well in the LSATs that are such a brilliant lawyer or because of identity politics? What do you think would happen if those students not only asked that question, but shouted down every time she tried to answer. They would be expelled. You know it. I know it. Everybody knows it. You know what Stanford University did here? Oh, it's so elite. The students are so smart. Put out some letter. This is a violation. This is a violation of of student policy of the campus. And we apologize for the disruption. And this should not have happened. And so, yes, there's an apology. I mean, that's it. Nothing. You know, they also put out a notice to the students that if they felt emotionally harmed by this, they should go speak to a dean about it. You know, like the dean who was a part of the ambush here. Now, you might say, well, Buck, this is Stanford. Um, maybe it's not as, oh, no, this is at every school now. This is all over the place. And we can either fight it or they can brainwash your kids. And if they can't brainwash your kid, they're going to persecute your kid when he or she gets to college. It, it, they're either going to be able to brainwash them or they're going to punish them for not going along with this lunatic ideology. But more to the point here, and this is all to the point, I guess, these uh, supposedly elite institutions are not that anymore. Uh, wokeness, uh, D and I, or DEI, uh, uh, the, these policies of the left have made these places really, for those who know, a laughing stock. Now, they still have a lot of cultural cachet and power and influence, and there's a lot of powerful, rich companies are going to recruit out of them. 
but it takes a long time. You know, this is an iceberg that is melting, and it'll take time, but the iceberg is melting, my friends. These places are no longer what they once at least were believed to be, which is institutions that that at some level aspire to foster excellence. Nope. That's not the now it's just a little a little factory of Marxism. That's what these colleges have become. There's not a day that goes by without some reminder in the news that being prepared for everything and anything is a good thing. Just ask our friends in California who got snowed in for more than two weeks or those who are contending with serious flooding right now. One of the really important things to take on is stocking up on a supply of emergency food. Like it or not, you may well need this food someday. So you want to get it now. Have it on hand before it's too late. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com, stock up on their popular three-month emergency food kit. When you do, you'll also get $200 worth of rugged survival gear as a free bonus. To see what you get, go to MyPatriotSupply.com. Your $200 bonus gift comes free with each three-month emergency food kit you order, so everybody in your family is fully prepared. We've got this in our household, and Clay, his family, they've got it set up too. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and enjoy free shipping. That's right, free shipping. When you go to MyPatriotSupply.com. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hour three of Clay and Buck starts right now. Thanks for being with me, everybody. Uh, this is Buck. I'm in solo this week. Clay is on vacation, having a great time with his family in Italy. He'll be back next week. The Hopefully the economy will still be around next week. That would be good. There will still be a U.S. economy. Things are certainly moving in the wrong direction right now. You have about 20 banks that have been hit as a result of the... Uh, the failure of Silicon Valley Bank SVB that happened at the end of last week. Biden administration has stepped in and they've worked out some deal. They don't want to call it a bailout. It's something else. Uh, a deal where the depositors are fine. I have a feeling that the executives, all of whom I guarantee you are big Democrat donors, if they Democrat, if they uh, donate any money to politicians, uh, they'll be fine too. They'll be very rich at the end of all of this. And so the losses will just be covered up. There are other banks that are under serious stress right now. Um, you have 20 banks that have been uh, rocked a bit by this. Um, and you have Bill Ackman, the uh, hedge fund billionaire, who is saying that we better make sure everybody feels safe about their deposits in the bank or else this thing could melt down the economy. Let me also say there are problems, even if they stop this crisis, this is exposing some systemic problems that we have in the economy right now. I want to get into some of those problems and how they're going to affect all of us here in a moment. But first, let's take a look at what Joe Biden is saying. Not only is Joe Biden telling you that this is going to be fine, right? Not only is Joe Biden telling you that the the money that is in the bank will be there for you when you need it. That's Those are his words. He's also, as of this morning, bragging about how great the Biden economy is. I'm being serious. He's really saying that. Things right now are, are really good in this economy. Biden's doing a great job, according to Joe Biden. Uh, this is a guy who only knows how to create jobs for Hunter through corrupt Ukrainian oligarchs and Chinese Communist Party front companies. That is Biden job creation. Other than that, it's a whole lot of very creative accounting. Here he is saying that his administration, not only has he been good, more he's created more jobs than any administration in history. This is a five Pinocchios kind of lie. Play 27. We've made strong economic progress in the past two years. We've created more than 12 million new jobs, more jobs in two years than any president has ever created in a single four-year term. Okay, everybody. Let's take a look for a second here. He just claimed, right now, this was today, while, while he's trying to stop the bank meltdown from happening, he is claiming that he has created, he has created, like he's waving a magic wand, um, more jobs than any administration, any four years of any administration in history. You say, oh my gosh, this guy must be a genius. Joe Biden, all this time we thought he was really dumb and bottom of his class at Syracuse Law School and lied about getting a scholarship being top of his class and had to drop out of a presidential election because of plagiarism and has been a laughing stock every time he stepped on the national stage until 2020 when they just created this Joe Biden, the grandpa figure that... You know, anyway, during a pandemic, people thought, maybe I'll try this. 
Do you know how many jobs? This is the Bureau of Labor Statistics. So I, I don't know what better source. I, I want to make this really easy, right? Let's just look at something we can verify quite quickly. Joe Biden there just claimed that the economy right now is really good and he's the best jobs president in history. That's what he is claiming by saying that he's created more jobs in two years than any president ever did in four. He's the best jobs president in history. This is really interesting because if you look right now at the Bureau of Labor Statistics, you will find that it was 150, there were 158 million employed people in the United States at the end of 2019. Okay. So at the end of 2019, there were 150, meaning before the pandemic. How many people are employed now? Well, if you were to look at it now, you would see that you have close to the same number, about 158 million people who are working. So how is it that Joe Biden, and even if that number is, you know, if it's a million or two off, whatever, how has Joe Biden created 20, uh, 12 million jobs? What he's actually referring to, everybody, is when the government artificially and idiotically shut down the economy during COVID and destroyed millions of jobs, and then when the Fauciite lunacy had at least lessened its grip on the throat of the American people enough, that stopped, and then the jobs started to come back. I mean, this is amazing. This is Joe Biden effectively saying he's the greatest firefighter in history, when really the government set the fire and he just showed up with the water. If they don't set the fire, there is no fire. He's done nothing. He's done nothing that has had a, an appreciable impact on making people, the American people, more prosperous and better off. And yet he claims 12 million jobs. 12 million jobs. Yeah, now it's saying, by the way, as of... The U.S. Chamber of Commerce right now, as of February 2023, is saying we have 3 million fewer people working today compared to February of 2020. So they're saying 3 million less. I looked at the numbers. Bureau of Labor Statistics has got it roughly, roughly equal. But 3 million fewer people. How do you create 12 million jobs in two years, but you have less people working? I mean, how, you know, unless you're going to tell me that we've had massive population change, um, that, that makes absolutely no sense. The point here I'm making, my friends, is that he is lying to you. He is doing so shamelessly. He is doing so at a moment of economic crisis, and there's going to be more of this. There is going to be more of this going forward because they do not want to tell you what is really happening um, they didn't want you to think about how we even got to this place in the first place remember biden wanted to spend another five trillion dollars of your money and wasn't able to do that came into office spent two trillion spent five trillion and yes trump in 2020 spent trillions during covid was not a good idea was not we have to be consistent if we don't like trillions of additional spending then we don't like trillions of additional spending. Doesn't matter who does it. Now, Biden went completely crazy with it. And it was also not the very beginning of the pandemic. It was clearly 
not necessary, but he did it anyway. Why are we in this current situation? Why are we in the midst of what could be the beginning of a massive recession? Hopefully not. Um, we were in this because uh, there was inflation, and that was a government policy. And then there was the Fed trying to bring inflation down, which is also government policy. I know it's the Fed, but it's the government policy in essence. The Fed tries to bring inflation down by raising rates. This bank got on the wrong side of the rate rise, and boom, we got to run on a bank. We got a big problem. But here's the other part of this that that not a lot of people are talking about because we're just hoping that all of our deposits are going to be there in the banks. What happens after this? Do you think that banks are going to be more or less likely to lend out money to people in general? Do you think they'll be more or less stringent? Will they want to shore up their balances? Well, if the answer is yes, you may be in a situation where you start to have a bit of a credit crunch where people not only are paying a higher interest rate for the money that they borrow, but it's harder for them to access capital in the first place, you know, to buy stuff like houses and cars and you name it. We have an economy that is pretty consumer spending dependent. And this stopping of the banks from all failing, yeah, that's a necessary step, but it's not like we're out of the woods even when that happens. And when you have an administration that is telling you they've created 12 million jobs, which only an economic illiterate would actually believe, they have not created those jobs, right? It is not creation to stop your destruction. You know what I mean? If, if I, uh, if I am, you know, drinking 10 bottles of, of wine out of your cellar every month, and then the next, and then finally I say, you know what? I'm not going to drink your wine, but I haven't created 10 bottles of wine. <laughs> I didn't create them. I just stopped taking them from you. It's not the same thing. Uh, and that is what the government did uh, under the guise of COVID protection. Of course, as we know, it was all a total waste. Uh, so they don't want you to understand that. By the way, you are noticing there's a move to the center. Uh, there's a move to the center on a whole range of issues from the Democrats now. It's not a big move, but it's the beginning of it uh, because their policies have put them in a position now where they will, if we have a, if we have a solid Republican candidate and Republican party overall going to 2024, the Democrats are facing uh, a, a real final reckoning or finally a reckoning at the ballot box. That's a big if, though. Are we going to have the right person? Are we going to have the right messaging? Um, this is why they're moving to the middle, though, because of the, the failures of left-wing policies they have pursued, including at the southern border, which I had mentioned to you, and we are going to spend some time uh, talking about. Uh, this is uh, this is really troubling. Um, you have people that are just now mobbing our resources at the southern border and deciding that they can just get through um, by by running. In a big mob through the El Paso Bridge. I mean, I've, I've been to this border crossing area and they just, you can see the video of this. Uh, Mexican military and U.S. Customs and Border Protection at the El Paso border crossing on Sunday evening had uh, about a thousand migrants try to rush a checkpoint. Wait, but I thought, you know, we're just a nation of immigrants and they just want to do the jobs Americans won't do and they're all fleeing uh, tyranny and stuff, right? No. 
Now, these are people who have decided our laws don't matter. Our laws don't matter. America is just uh, it's just a, a, a place to be exploited. There's no reason to to believe that our laws should even be obeyed. We owe the rest of the world. We're too. You see, America's too prosperous. America's too wealthy. So we owe the rest of the world, and as part of owing the rest of the world, they don't have to obey our laws. This is the mentality. This is the mindset. And the Democrats have created it here. This is very real. We'll talk about uh, this border situation here in just a moment. Under the category of getting the best sleep possible, having the most comfortable pillow, it is key. MyPillow has an amazing upgrade for you. It's their MyPillow 2.0. The 2.0 version has the same patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow, but now includes exclusive fabric that is made with temperature-regulating thread. It keeps you cool when you sleep on it, and if you're one of those that turn and flip your pillow over during the night, this is for you. It comes at a great value and price. The MyPillow 2.0 is a great buy right now because it's buy one, get one free. Buy one, get one free. MyPillow 2.0 for a limited time when you use our names as the promo code Clay and Buck. The MyPillow 2.0 is 100% made in the USA and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener special square to get this buy one, get one free offer on the MyPillow 2.0. Enter promo code Clay and Buck. That's promo code Clay and Buck at MyPillow.com or call 800-792-3269. That's 800-792-3269 to get your MyPillow 2.0 now. Truth Seeking reality telling the clay travis and buck sexton show the border is a mess you know that we try to update you here about what's happening there as often as we can and there doesn't seem to be any end in sight if anything the biden administration seems to be favorable to the millions uh to the prospect of millions more illegal immigrants coming into the united states in addition to those who have already entered the 6 million, 7 million, whatever the actual number is since Biden became president. Now, I understand the way that they're playing the game. They're saying, oh, well, sure, their initial entry was illegal, for which many of them were not even detained, even though the law says they're supposed to be detained. Uh, Their initial entry to the United States was illegal in all cases um, because walking into the United States even just walking across the U.S.-Mexico border, you're breaking the law. Same way that walking on someone's front lawn, you know, trespassing is a violation of law. You're breaking the law when you enter the United States. You're violating our sovereign territory. But instead of deciding, you know what, if you do that, we're just going to send you back across the border or even send you to your country of origin, we allow for what are called defensive asylum claims where people are able to say, okay, sure, I came into your country illegally, but I am fleeing violence in my home country. They are coached about what to say. It's very easy. And then they beat the credible fear, the first phase of the credible fear test, and they effectively disappear into this system that has millions and millions of people waiting to go through it, a massive backlog, multiple stages of process and enforcement at which point it can break down uh, and it does and so it's just a backdoor way of letting people come into the united states illegally and stay here forever that's the whole game they say oh these are asylum seekers what do you think the democrats who are making that claim now including the uh, mayor of new york city eric adams 
What do you think those Democrats will say when in a couple of years time it has become very clear to everybody that they're not showing up for their hearings? They're breaking the law. Then they're illegal in the country outright. And do you think they're going to say, "Okay, yeah, now we're going to deport them? Does anyone believe that? Of course not. Of course not. So this would be like saying that we're going to give bail to all kinds of people who we know are never going to show up for trial. And we say, hold on a second, there's a problem here. They say, what do you mean? They're going to show up. They're they're not going to flee. They're not a flight risk. They're all flight risks. They're never showing up. And even if they show up and are convicted, in this case, if they're denied asylum, they're not going to have to leave the country because that would require deportation proceedings, and they're not going to do it. So guess what? It's all a scam, the whole thing. It's not like the Democrats will commit to expelling those who are in the country who do not qualify for asylum because then they are no longer have any legal basis to be here. They're not going to expel them. There are millions of illegal immigrants who are already here before this whole asylum scam. So this is why the whole thing is a mess. But you also get a sense of the, of the mentality of the migrants who are coming over now. As over the weekend, uh, at the Paso del Norte Bridge in El Paso, Passage North Bridge, I guess, is that what that is? In El Paso, um, there was a group of a 1,000 migrants that tried to rush checkpoints. This is on video. There's video and, and, and photographs of this between Juarez and El Paso, Juarez, Mexico, and El Paso, Texas. And the photos show you that this was a very serious um, entity, a uh, very serious effort. This was a an attempt uh, to overwhelm the people who were supposed to be enforcing our laws and preventing this kind of thing from happening. Now, they were not successful because of all the barbed wire and a joint deployment of U.S. and Mexican uh, officials, Mexican military, U.S. Border Patrol, they were not able to just run through these these checkpoints. But uh, there have been other times where we've already seen 100, 200, 300. They'll do this. They'll they'll have effectively a a a jailbreak approach. They'll all just run for it at the same time and and try to get into the United States. And so. What are we going to do to stop all of this? You say, oh, well, this time they stopped them at the checkpoint. Yeah, but there'll be other checkpoints where they can't stop them. There'll be other places along the border where they're able to get in easily. Uh, until we refuse to allow people to come into the country illegally and stay here illegally and benefit from the American welfare state, the American economy, and and benefit from the actions of their illegality, this continues and in fact, it just gets worse. It gets worse. I really think the Democrat plan here with all of this is to allow the numbers to get to be so big of illegals in the country that there becomes a sense of inevitability for the amnesty that is supposed to happen. And then once they enact that amnesty, they're going to want voting rights. And once they give them voting rights, you have a permanent Democrat majority in the United States. That's the plan. That's the plan. Um, because people that are here with, first of all, who have broken the law, as we know, criminals tend to vote Democrats, just, just, just the truth. Uh, but people who have broken the law, people who don't speak English, um, people who are unable to effectively immediately 
compete in a primarily information or increasingly information-based economy are going to be more dependent upon the resources of the state. They're going to need more welfare. They're going to need more state assistance. And and if anyone wants to argue at this point, explain that to the mayor of New York City who's saying they can't afford the 40,000 illegal migrants who have been dropped in New York City. The city budget can't afford it. Uh, you know, $2 billion they say it's going to cost, something like that. It's crazy. You're talking about billions of dollars for people who aren't even supposed to be here in the first place in one city? Oh, uh, hold on. I thought there's so much more law-abiding and hardworking than Americans. Why, why would we believe that that is true and notice how the people that are the biggest advocates of illegal immigration one of the first things they do is denigrate americans all americans ah oh, americans you know, we're too lazy we won't do these jobs we're not okay we're we're not as law-abiding as the illegals who in this case we're trying to storm a border patrol checkpoint to run into america because our laws and our sovereignty do not matter and they don't matter to democrats that's for sure do they matter enough to Republicans that they'll do something about it? What is the plan? I don't even know if the Republicans have a plan for this. I don't think they've really thought this one through. And I think they're wondering, first of all, who the Republican candidate is going to be. Uh, but the immigration issue was far from solved, even under the last president. So this is a major challenge that continues to this day. And it's just going to continue in the meantime. Fentanyl flow, the strength of the cartels, the human smuggling operations, and then the enormous cost borne by the taxpayer. You know, it's one thing when it feels like the economy is doing pretty well and we got plenty of money. We head into a really difficult period here economically, which I think is very possible. I think a lot of people think that. You think that the billion dollars here, billion dollars there for illegal migrants pay for their their food their housing their medical care you know the illegal migrants who were protesting in new york city because they weren't able to continue to stay at taxpayer expense at a four-star hotel for months on end you think that starts to be a problem at least politically we shall see i think the democrats may be finding this one out the hard way you know my cell phone company is pure talk which is the same one that saves the average size family over nine hundred dollars a year when they switch from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. You won't find savings like these all over the place. It's very hard, actually. 900 bucks a year? That's what you can save, $900 a year, particularly when you factor in that everyone switching still gets ultra-fast 5G service. With Pure Talk, you can get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of data for just 30 bucks a month. And Pure Talk is so sure you're going to love their service, they're backing it up with a 100% money-back guarantee. So instead of paying a boatload of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile every month, cut your bill in half with Pure Talk. You'll work with a great group of customer service people, every one of them based here in the U.S., and you'll be supporting a company that is veteran-owned and who has you covered with a money-back guarantee. Just dial pound 250 and say Clay and Buck. You'll save 50% off your first month. That's pound 250, say, Clay and Buck. Pure Talk is simply smarter. Wireless restrictions apply. See site for details. Subscribe to CNB 24-7 and never miss a minute of Clay and Buck while getting behind-the-scene access to special content for members only. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. 
to the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. 